You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, hope you all enjoyed Christmas. Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. Going to be recapping Philly's ugly, I guess I can say that, ugly win against the Toronto Raptors. Before I do, the semantics, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. we got a ton of talented writers keeping you updated on all things related to the Sixers. So this game, the Sixers get a 114-109 win against a Raptors squad that was literally looked like a level of G League guys playing alongside with Pascal Siakam, uh, Chris Boucher looked like a superstar. Each of those guys had 28 points. Boucher had 19 boards as well, but they were missing Fred Van Vliet, uh, Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, just a whole bunch of other players. So you had a uh, just a replacement level lineup really for the for the Raptors when you look at their bench for this one. And they still managed to keep it close against the Sixers team who are, and no disrespect to Shake Milton, to Andre Drummond, to Danny Green, who are in the league's health and safety protocols. All those guys are rotational players, but the Sixers had Joel Embiid. They had Tobias Harris. They had Tobias Maxey, Seth Curry, Matisse Thybul. And still, this Raptor squad was was able to hang around. And it was funny because you're looking at this game. The Sixers were up 55-48 at half. And in the third quarter, it was all Embiid. And I wonder how bad things would have gotten if Embiid wasn't playing in this one. Uh, you look at that third quarter, Joel Embiid at 15 points, 4 of 5 from the field, 5 of 7 from the free throw line. Everyone else combined for 15 points, three for 13 shooting from the field, did make all eight of their free throws combined, everybody outside of Joel. And that let the Raptors really hang around in this one. And we've seen that a lot through the season, especially after the first 10 games. And you look at the Sixers, okay, that fourth quarter, like maybe they're starting to put this team that is decimated by, by COVID absences away. They went on a 10-2 run, got up 95-83, but... The Raptors responded with a 9 nothing run of their own, and it was pretty much well close from then on. And, and you're looking around at what Joel, in this, Joel did in this one. 36 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, shot 11 to 16 from the field, hit 2 out of 3 three-point attempts, 12 of 14 from the line. You're looking at this, and they were running the offense through Joel as they should every time because he is one of the best players in the NBA. But the Raptors sent a ton of double teams. He was able to make the correct plays, make the right passes, unfortunately. The players around him couldn't do much. And you look at this, Tobias Harris, by the way, had his first triple-double of his career. And you look at that, you're like, wow, he must have had a heck of a game. Well, he had 19 points, 12 boards, 10 dimes. He shot 3 of 12 from the field, made 13 of 14 free throws, which is a good thing. But again, uh, you're looking at that, and that's not an incur. I mean, um, congratulations to him for getting the triple-double, not taking away the accomplishment and doing that. But what I'm saying is, even the way he got it, it, it was ugly. And it's becoming more and more obvious that if Daryl Morey wants to turn the Sixers into a championship squad, he has to make some moves before the February 10th deadline. 
like George Niang, I thought was it was a, a under the radar signing in the offseason. He was great in this game, five of eight from deep, 19 points on uh, 22 minutes of action. Without him, I don't know if the Sixers would have won this game. Uh, like you're looking at the, at the bench guys, even Ferk had 10 points, but the issues are now obvious and, and the goodwill of that eight and two start. And I've said this before are slowly eroding and you're looking at, at, at what the Sixers have done since then they're 10 and 14. Sure. I'll give you the, you know, the fact that Joel missed a ton of games when, when he was out with the COVID absences, he's been dealing with some injuries. Obviously he is the guy on, on this team, particularly so, yeah, you get a little bit of leeway, but since he's been back, they've been middling around a 500 team. And I think that's indicative of not only the holes in the roster, but also in what Doc Rivers has been doing as a coach. And this is the same complaint that we saw with Doc last season, uh, the lack of offensive imagination where uh, coming out of a timeout, and I've said this before, you should be getting at least an open look that results in your team getting a good shot. You know, again, whether they make it or not, that's a different story. But at least coming out of every timeout, there should be a set play that you know you're going to get your team a good shot. We rarely see that with with Doc. And, you know, making changes to the lineup and and maybe trying to to tinker with things. He's just been so stubborn and and sticking with what he thinks will work when sometimes the evidence in front of him is to the contrary. And sure, when Doc's running his system and things are going well, yeah, you don't nobody's going to bring this stuff up. But when you look at this at the Sixer squad who has played down to the level of competition, over the past few weeks, especially when you look at what's happening around the NBA, you know, how they looked against an uh, undermanned Hawk team, uh, Hawks team last week, losing 98, 96, um, how they looked against the Nets, you know, a couple of weeks back. This shows that the team either isn't best suited to the system that Doc is running. And it also, on the contrary to that, it shows that maybe Doc's not the right guy for the job for, for, for this team. And again, if the Sixers can get on a six, seven, eight game winning streak, I'm sure some of these concerns will start to quell, but they're still going to be there. And I think that that's going to be a major issue for Philly going forward. I want to jump into a couple more things about this game and also the bigger picture. We'll do that after a short break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, and we're back. As I was mentioning there before the break, like Doc's, you know, job security, I don't think it's in, in jeopardy right now. I don't think that he's stuck in a thing that, oh, you know, if they don't turn it around, you know, in the next two, three games or two, three weeks, he's gone. It's just... Is he going to show a willingness to adapt? Is he going to show a willingness to try and maximize the potential of this team, which is what great coaches do? And sure, he won a championship back in 2008 with three Hall of Fame level players on the roster. The Sixers, as currently constructed, have won. But, you know, the goodwill that he's he's just continued to have off that championship, and it showed his lack of adjustments with the Lob City Clippers. You know, they had a prime Chris Paul a prime Blake Griffin. DeAndre Jordan was still very good back then. So they had all these all these guys that were able to ball and just couldn't put the pieces together. And I'm wondering if you know that's more indicative of Doc Rivers as a coach because we're starting to see this now with the Sixers squad. So again, you'd like to see him try and at least make some adjustments and, and maybe change things up to at least, again, you know, Tyrese Maxey figuring out minutes. We've talked about this in the pod. A, a lot of us have, you know, th- throughout our network that, 
you know, him and Joel aren't exactly an ideal fit, but there's got to be some room there to make that partnership work. And it's on the coach to find that. And now we're, you know, getting into the, into the new year, you're going to be getting into the second half of the schedule, basically eight games from now. And looking at this, there was obviously a ton of holes that were masked by that eight and two start. And you're looking at Daryl Morey. Okay. The Ben Simmons stuff, it's been really quiet on that front. We haven't heard of any rumors, anything about Ben, you know, not uh, showing up properly or showing up randomly at the Wells Fargo center. We just haven't heard much about Ben Simmons at all. And so I think once the league hopefully gets through this COVID scare, that's been not only wreaking havoc in the NBA, but around the NFL, the NHL, and pretty much well everywhere in the world, I think the trade chatter will start to pick up. And I, I do think Daryl's got to, got to look at this right now and say, Hey, yeah, I want to draw my line in the sand. Yeah, I want to wait things out and, and try and get the best return possible I can for a 25-year-old all-star level player. But do I maybe have to make a move that gives me some help now and will also give some flexibility in the future to maybe add another piece? Because otherwise, the Sixers at this point, if they go in as a six seed or as a play-in seed, are, do you trust them to win a round? Can they win... Can they win around just strictly on Joel Embiid going off for 35 and 10 every night? Sure, he can lead them to maybe a one series win, but two? When you're looking around what, what's in the in the Eastern Conference and Kyrie Irving might be back for the for the Nets, that situation still has to play out. You're looking at a team like the Bucks, the defending champions, Miami Heat are doing well. Cleveland Cavaliers are an upstart team. I'd probably take the Sixers over them just given the experience. But you're seeing a bunch of these teams around them that yeah, it doesn't look like the Sixers are going to be able to, as constructed, beat these teams in the second round. But if you look at a Sixers squad with another all-star level player, again, I'm not going to speculate on who that could be because we heard Damian Lillard's name for months. Didn't see anything happen on that front. Likely won't on that front anyways because he seems content staying in Portland even though that team isn't very good. But who else is there? Bradley Beal? Okay, the Wizards are, are starting to show who they really are. Three and seven in their last 10. You know, they were fighting for the top two seeds, three seeds in the NBA at the, earlier in their season. Now they're at 17 and 17. So maybe they fall off and, and the Wizards look to make a move and Bradley Beal does become available. You know, the Celtics start to struggle. You can get Jalen Brown from them. You look at OKC if they're willing to make that deal for Shea Gilgis Alexander. Would I like a team with, with Joel Embiid and one of those players I just mentioned to at least do some damage and be a threat against the, the top level teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's what we're going to be keeping our eye out for here now in the next five or six weeks until we get to the trade deadline is what is Daryl Morey's thinking at? Is it going to be, look, I'm concerned with the long-term future of this organization, which naturally should be, but again, you're going to sacrifice another year of Joel's prime where he's remained relatively healthy other than the COVID scare and playing the best basketball or close to at least the best basketball of his career. I think that's something that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on going forward. But big picture, the Sixers did manage to get another win as ugly as it was. And, and as disappointing as the effort was, they did manage to get another win. They're 18 and 16, six games back of the nets overall in the Eastern conference. Uh, so still, still a lot of work to do if they want to get back to the heights they were at last season. But again, we're going to have to see how this all plays out because Doc Rivers, the system, has shown warts for several months now, starting to become a lot more apparent in terms of the limitations of this team offensively, and especially without Joel Embiid on the floor, how bad they've looked. And also Daryl Morey. Is he going to try and make something happen on the Ben Simmons front to make sure that Embiid gets another guy with him? We're going to have to watch and see. Don't forget, 
subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Adil Royster had Dave Early and Derek Bodner, formerly of The Athletic, join them for a pod that dropped earlier on Tuesday. You can check that one out. That'll, that's a good one uh, if you want to get some information on what's going on with Ben Simmons. And, and they also talk about the Daryl Morey angle and, and kind of how he's played things. And also on Wednesday, Paul Hedrick will be back with another episode of Coming In for Orlando. So we got you covered in all things Sixers on the audio front. Always appreciate a five-star review and a, and a rating if you have time to do that. And also check us out. Again, libertyballers.com for all things related to the Sixers.